0: very open that I think there is a very strong possibility that there is intelligent life in the universe on planets other than this one. I I am almost certain of it. Why? Um, Really, it's a numbers game. Uh, I think the universe is just so vast. First of all, the galaxy is enormous. But there are all sorts of other galaxies beyond our own. Uh, there are The universe is so vast for us to assume that we're the only creatures, the only intelligent life forms anywhere in the universe. To me, it's the height of arrogance. What I am less certain about is whether extraterrestrials have visited this planet. And we've had people on this program that believe that that is absolutely the case, and we've had people on this program that dispute that, and we've had a lot of people who essentially say that the jury is very much out. Well, I want to do something a little bit different. I'm going to give you a little context, but normally I highlight... You know, we have these debunkers on from time to time, but normally I highlight the folks that... That think there are aliens and the aliens that visit the uh, the Earth regularly. Well, there was a very interesting article in the New York Post over the weekend by Chadwick Moore, who's an interesting guy. You may have to get him on this program. He's got a new book out that I've been meaning to talk to him about. I, I don't think he does well at the late hours, but he's an interesting guy. And basically, he says that he, that the it's an opinion piece. He basically says why the world is in the midst of UFO hysteria. And he goes and focuses on these very prominent UFO incidents – or alien incidents that he believes have been disproven and debunked. He begins his piece by saying, Remember the alien invasion of Miami on New Year's Day? A video clip posted online purported to show a 10-foot-tall extraterrestrial lurking outside a shopping mall as a massive police action was taking place. The footage turned out to be, this is Chadwick Moore speaking, not me, The footage turned out to be a grainy aerial shot of three officers walking side by side and not a sentient celestial being. But the hysteria reached such proportions that the Miami Police Department was forced to release a statement saying that there were no aliens, UFOs, or ETs, no airports were closed, no power outages. The official rebuke... Only led to more skepticism. Similarly, last September, news circled the globe when a UFO enthusiast presented to the Mexican Congress two tiny, mummified, 1,000-year-old corpses of non-human beings, or so he claimed. Well, biologists and anthropologists, they were quick to call this a stunt, and they revealed that these figurines were made from human and animal bones with paper and glue, but plenty of people continued to believe it. And there's some other things here. And Chadwick Moore acknowledges, even though he's very much a skeptic, that UFO fever has reached a fever pitch in this country. The past year has seen ET excitement reach fever pitch, and the hysteria could grow even further. In 2024, beyond Mexico and Miami, former Air Force intelligence officer David Grush testified before Congress in July that the U.S. government was in possession of alien craft and biological samples. But he provided no evidence other than secondhand and thirdhand retellings. And then he gets into discussing Enrico Fermi. You've got to be familiar with Enrico Fermi, right? Probably the leading Italian physicist of all time. And he has made history in the UFO community many times with something called Fermi's Paradox. Now, Enrico Fermi, if you saw Oppenheimer, he's depicted in Oppenheimer. He's a key member of the Manhattan Project and a brilliant man, a brilliant physicist. And he asked his colleagues over lunch one day in 1950, if the universe is so big, which it is, and so old, then where is everybody? And that's the question that has come to be known as the Fermi Paradox. So, physicists and sci-fi fans alike have compiled a list of hundreds of possible solutions to the Fermi Paradox that include our universe is a computer simulation or that aliens are watching us but like the federation in star trek they have the prime directive they have a policy of non-interference or that all technological civilizations inevitably destroy themselves soon after they become spacefaring that explains why extraterrestrial life might be out there but we've still yet to find it basically that theory is that once these people get sophisticated enough to start building rocket ships, before they get there, before they get to other planets and start interacting with other races or other species, they blow themselves up, Planet of the Ape style. The only evidence-based solution to the Fermi paradox, according to Chadwick Moore, is called the rare Earth hypothesis, that the series of circumstances leading to Earth's creation and eventually us humans— happened in such an unlikely succession that, in fact, it's not so far-fetched that we are alone, or at least early to the game, that we're early in the development. And I am curious what you think. If you are someone who believes that there has never been any extraterrestrial visit to this planet, that... The UAP sightings that we've seen videos of and photos of can easily be explained as something else, not something that's an indicia of extraterrestrial. Why? Why do you think – what's your answer to Fermi's paradox? Why do you think we've never met um, someone from another alien civilization? Do they not exist? Are we the only life anywhere in the universe? Or is it some other reason? Are they watching and observing and waiting until we develop a level of technological civilization like the Vulc... Excuse me, I had a nut at the top of the hour. I have a little nut dust in the back of my throat. Are they waiting like the Vulcans did prior to us developing Warp Drive before making first contact? Or... Are there no other technological advanced civilizations? Are we more developed than some other alien races out there? Now, I only want you to answer this if you're someone that doesn't believe that we have had extraterrestrial visitors. Because those are the answers that I'm most interested in here. Your answer to Fermi's paradox. If the universe is so old and so vast, where is everybody? Do they not exist, or are they not coming here for some other reason? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Chadwick Moore ends his piece by saying, with everyone from Greta Thunberg to the United Nations insisting that humanity has failed, it's hardly surprising humans have had such a hard time believing we're special. And so aliens are increasingly replacing God, if not the reverence for humanity itself, to soothe mankind's need to answer life's biggest questions. And in our rapidly fraying society, the questions never have been bigger. Nor the desire to be rescued by mysterious forces beyond our control. Arthur C. Clarke, was a science fiction writer. He did 2001, a space odyssey and some other great works of science fiction. And he said, two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. These days, it's the long silence that has most people that has people most anxious or at least convinced (laughs) That aliens are visiting us regularly. Now, I want to be clear. I have um, heard many of these stories of alien abduction. I've heard several credible reports of what occurred at Roswell. Not only do I think there are extraterrestrials elsewhere, but I think there's a good chance they've been to this planet. Honestly, and I'm not saying that to be salacious or to, you know, because I think that that's what an overnight uh, audience wants to hear. I have found some of the books that have been written by people like Philip Corso and uh, Colonel Kevin Randall and many others, very convincing. And I have found a lot of these objects that are flying, including near oceans, very, very awe-inspiring. I don't know what those are, but I think it's at least a possibility that it's extraterrestrials. But... I'm not asking for feedback from people like me. I am asking, if you don't believe that ETs have ever been here, why? Are we the only life that's anywhere, or is it for some other reason? If so, what's the other reason? Hey, i tell you what we did get a visit from on Friday. We caught a lucky break, if ever there was one. An asteroid larger than the Empire State Building buzzed past the Earth on Friday. I might get into this with Dr. Sky on uh, Wednesday morning when he's here. But the asteroid was similar in size to Chicago's Willis Tower as well. But this asteroid as large as a skyscraper passed within 1.7 million miles of Earth. And despite its size, there's, they, they said there was never any real risk of impact as it would be seven times the distance from the Earth to the moon. NASA estimates that the asteroid size could be between 690 feet and 1,600 feet. Uh, imagine by the time we chat with Dr. Sky on Wednesday, we'll get more answers to this. I don't believe that we're well prepared to deal with an asteroid that hits this planet. I don't. And maybe this is why there are no other alien civilizations that have visited us, if that's the case. Maybe they all get wiped out like the dinosaurs did with some sort of asteroid or, or deadly comet. I don't know. But uh, I think, um, you know, it's pretty scary to think how fragile life is that this rock flying through space could one day just come and hit the Earth. Good news for a Friday. The Earth will not be destroyed tonight when an asteroid whizzes past. The space rock named 2008 OS-7 is believed to be about the size of the Empire State Building. Kind of big, but it's supposed to pass within 1.7 million miles of Earth. For comparison, the moon is about 240,000 miles away, so kind of far. According to the AP, the flyby is one of several this weekend, all smaller and far away, so go ahead, go outside, be safe, look up. That was uh, from NPR's Morning Edition, talking about what was going on there. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Let me begin with Eric in Manhattan. Hi, Eric. Hey, Frank. <laughs>
1: it's been a while. Um, this is this is a big grift. This technology we've had this technology for thousands of years. Now we're getting charged for it. I know it's, it's not crazy. Like bumblebees, uh, balloon spiders, scarab beetles, uh, bullet trains. All these things use maglev, magnetic levitation, and uh, they so they they see the invention keeping it from us and making up aliens or ETs. There's some many extraterrestrials from outside our realm, you know, it's, it's flat. <laughs> We've had this conversation before, but it's a, it, it is it's a grift.
0: It's you know? a grift on whose part? The people that well, there, are writing the books.
1: Yes, that is, well, some they believe. A lot of people really believe it. So there, uh, some people are not aware of the grift, but they. It, we have free energy. Well, they can sell it to us, but but it's it's ours. They're selling own stuff back to us. You know, anti gravity. It's ours. <laughs> well, when so, you say it's ours, I I'm not well, sure. Originally, we had the technologies thousands of years ago. So much history has been stolen. and chunks gone, and, and so you know, they can make up aliens. They saw the advantage of. Uh, I believe in extraterrestrials, like life outside from other lands, Um, But so much they can. Uh, run out the clock. Pretend like ask a question to pretend it's a question. So you have blue book. Uh, when I was a little kid, it, you know, investigate it to pretend it's real. And like this last one, the, the UAPs in the ocean and the the, the government saying, "Oh, we're going to really investigate," but what do they come back with? Nothing. It's just to run out the clock.
0: You know. Uh, well, um, who knows, Eric? I certainly don't have any answers. I only have questions. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Janet, listening in Nevada. Hello, Janet. Hi. Um,
2: I was just uh, telling your, whoever answers your phone yeah. that I read this thing in Facebook. Now, who knows truth or not, or fiction in Facebook, really? But I found it really interesting that this guy who uh, was retired from working on Area 51 for the military, that he uh, his neighbor kept bugging him to give him information. And he said, no, 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 I can't. They're apparently sworn to secrecy, which I can understand. But then apparently the guy they got drunk together one night, and this guy told them that at Area 51 they had two aliens, like obviously bodies, and uh, and their ships, and and they said in the article, how long is this guy going to be around? <laughs> how true it is? Oh, but well, look, I, I mean, you know- I, I just read it today, and I was like, wow.
0: I mean, you hear this stuff all the time, but uh. You know, Janet, I've been drunk once or twice myself before, so I'm not going to take necessarily a drunken conversation too seriously. However, there are conversations that I do take very seriously. For instance, Bob Lazar, who worked at Area 51. There's a documentary about him and the things that he's seen. He's not drunk. He strikes me as a very sane and sober individual, and I don't see what he'd have to gain by making that up. Same thing with David Grush. Uh, And his testimony before Congress. I mean, this guy was a fairly high-ranking intelligence officer. And I don't see why he would concoct this whole cloth. But that's not even what I want to get into. I want to get into the skeptics. If you don't believe there have ever been aliens here, why? Is it because they don't exist or for some other reason? Obviously, we don't know. But if it's for some other reason, what's the other reason? 800 848 You know, I mentioned in that Chadwick Moore article, the rare earth hypothesis. hypothesis. Scientists have apparently discovered a super earth named to 1715 b You know, see, some of the problem with these planets and asteroids is they need a catchier name. You know, that's not a catchy name. Super earth, that's a catchy name. Uh, TO-1715B, not a catchy name, but anyway, it's located within the conservative habitable zone of a nearby red dwarf star. This revelation has ignited the astronomical community with the potential of uncovering conditions that are suitable for life. A mere 137 light years from Earth. So this research, which is led by Georgina Dransfield at the University of Birmingham, represents a significant step towards our quest to understand the conditions under which life might arise. You know, it's always good whenever we can find these potentially livable planets. You know, this planet measures approximately one and a half times the width of Earth. And it's positioned within what the scientists describe as the conservative habitable zone of its parent star. That zone, it's kind of the sweet spot, is defined by its capacity to maintain temperatures that could allow liquid water to exist on a planet's surface. However, the presence of liquid water would also depend on other factors, including the right atmospheric conditions. But they're saying this planet could basically be our sibling planet. And adding to the intrigue, the same planetary system might also hold a second planet, one that's Earth sized and could similarly reside within or near this conservative habitable zone. Now, whether there are aliens elsewhere or not, it's so good to know that there are potentially other places, other planets that we could live on, because if something goes wrong and we need to get out of this planet, get off this planet in a hurry nice to know we have options. You know, Dr. Paul Sutter was on this program recently. He is someone who's been an advisor to NASA. And the first question I asked him is, what's the deal with these aliens? I do not believe that uh, aliens have visited. There's not been any
1: strong evidence to me that has convinced me that aliens have visited us. When I see those videos, when I see the UAP reports
0: and all that. I say, huh, that's kind of weird. I don't know what that is. Interesting. Interesting. He doesn't believe that we've been visited by aliens? If you have fit into that category of Paul Sutter, tell me why. Is it because there's no one else out there? I think that's kind of an arrogant view. 800 848 This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano It's
3: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano
0: Depending on the hour wherever you live, it might be three, but it might not be. Uh, It's not even half past three in the hour where I am. But, you know, these hours, they make you a little little loopy. It's tough to find. uh, It's tough to keep track which hour is what. Now, um... That, by the way, that was uh, Guns N' Roses, Love Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, a birthday bumper music selection from my cousin, Andrea, who has not only been a guest on this show, uh, she's an attorney, very, very successful, well-known attorney in the Pennsylvania area, or in the state of, or the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, in the Philadelphia area, but uh, she is my favorite second cousin, and uh, she and I were especially close going up, but we're still pretty close. So, uh, happy birthday to Andrea, I hope all your wishes come true today and always now a friend of mine came to visit the other day on saturday i met him for a drink and then he came over the house because the uh establishment that we were at was right around the corner from my house and you know i hadn't seen this friend in a while Very name's michael very accomplished filmmaker film producer writer editor etc and you remember that film we talked about it i think it was last year Terrifier two, I didn't see it because my uh, my wife is not a horror movie person, so I have to be selective which with which horror movies that I want. But this film was a monstrous success, and I mean that literally. Okay, this film, Terrifier two, I think it had about a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget. And it made, at the box office, around $15 million. It was one of the greatest Cinderella stories in the 21st century horror genre. I mean, it was huge. Huge. If you're a horror movie fan, you probably have seen it. I have not. New York Post did a big article about how successful it was. Uh, they, they, They were talking about it on a lot of other big shows. The Howard Stern Show, for instance, but many different shows. And it got a lot of attention because you make a film for a quarter of a million dollars... What happens, and if it makes 15 million dollars? Well, one, it's a big story. But two, you can bet that means there's going to be a Terrifier Three. Oh, and by the way, it was mostly crowdfunded. It was just fans of this Terrifier franchise that, you know, gave a couple of bucks, you know, through I don't know what they used GoFundMe or something along those lines to fund the production of this film, and they were able to raise quarter of a million dollars, largely through that. And it and it made all that money at the box office. Apparently very, very good. So anyway, they're now shooting, beginning next week, Terrifier 3. So Michael, who I don't think he's the – he's not the director, but he's one of the producers, very involved in the production. He's over the house on Saturday night. And so I said – because I still get $6.13 checks coming to me from my appearance on the TV show Damages from 2009 when uh, my friend Curtis Lewa and I were voices on the radio arguing about the fictional characters. I said, let me be a voice on the radio in this film, Terrifier 3. And I, I I could pull that off. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't even have to act. I Just let me be a voice on the radio that somehow plays in to the, the terror, right? And there are a lot of, and he was open to it. He was open to it. And then, you know, I didn't push it. Then he starts going into another direction. They said, yeah, because the last film was so big, they're giving us a really hard time with SAG and everything now. Uh, we can only use SAG extras. We can only do SAG stuff. And uh, they're guaranteed a hot lunch. A hot. We have to give them a hot meal. We can't give them cold food. We have to pick the SAG extras up at a. That's our, our union. Um, we have to pick the SAG extras up at a designated spot and then bring them to a designated spot. Not at all like what we've ever done. And I said, "Well, I'm SAG because I'm SAG after I'm. You know, it's a Screen Actors Guild merged with the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists." I said, "I'm SAG. I can do this. I can be a voice, legit." So he kind of nods and he uh, nods and he says, I, "You know, I'll work on it." I think my friend is totally missing. How scary late night radio can be, I mean think about it. again i I don't know the plot of this film, but think about it if someone is alone listening to me on the radio and but a boom, they're murdered by the, whoever the villain is in terrifier. God it's a pretty scary thing middle of the night two three four o'clock in the morning dark out you're by yourself just listening to me and the commentary that i do in the movie could kind of get them to you know it could kind of get them to um i don't know could fit in with the theme and uh you know cuz i saw and i got to thank the listener that called in around christmas time and mentioned this i saw the uh, the film a christmas horror story where william shatner plays a a, a radio talk show host or a dj a late-night radio talk show host with a penchant for drinking. And the movie's just okay, but it's scary enough for Christmas. The way that Shatner is able to pull that off, I thought was uh, brilliant. And I'm going to try to assemble a list of um, of horror movies that have radio people in them, like as background voices. I'm not looking to do more than... You know, six minutes of work, right? I'm not looking to you know go down to the set or do any acting. I just want to be a voice on the radio that's played in this movie because I do think that this movie is likely to be a uh, a big success, just as the last one was. So I'm going to um, I'm going to work on that today. I'm going to make a list of all the horror movies that have radio people on it. Matt Shatner one as at the top of my list. If you have any suggestions. Please email me Frank.morano at com. networks.com. Frank.morano at com. Hey, speaking of uh, Shatner, I was I was hoping he was gonna win an Emmy last night. He was nominated in the uh, spoken word character uh, category for the best audio book narration and storytelling recording. You know who beat him? He a uh, Grammy, not Emmy, if I said Grammy. You know who beat him for the Grammy last night? And there were some other good people in there, like uh, Meryl Streep was nominated and several others. Bernie Sanders was nominated. Michelle Obama beat him. Michelle Obama, who's already got two Grammys, beat one of the greatest narrators of all time, William Shatner. I say that is bogus. I demand a recount. Whoever said the election's rigged, they're absolutely right, at least when it comes to the Grammys. All right, 800-848-9222. Hey, um, if you're not familiar with Terrifier 3, again, I've never seen either of these, the first two Terrifiers. This is a, a snippet of the, of the trailer. You know what's missing there? Words. Okay? You, you know what it would be missing there is like a really scary narration, you know, of something that would be, you know, on the radio at the time that you're hearing that, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know what I would say because I'm not familiar with the, you know, with the plot of the movie or who the characters are or anything like that. Um, but it needs something. Right, and I think I could save this movie, and you know, then if it leads to a lifetime worth of royalties, so be it. Give I th- could see this being a real good fit for everybody. You know, I mean, we'll see. I mean, think about it. Right, so this plays. Right, let me say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to. WZMB Horror Radio The station that keeps you on the edge of your seat I'm your host Jack Nightshade And tonight We've got a specially terrifying treat For all you horror aficionados out there We're diving deep into the heart Of the chilling chaos In Terrifier 3 Now, how much better is that trailer now? See now, people would want to go see the movie. So uh, that's my suggestion to those folks. Heidi is in the boogie down Bronx. Hello, Heidi.
3: Yeah, hi. Um, uh, how are you? Um, I, you know, I, I listened to you, and then you know, I'm a night owl, so I was doing things, but the radio was on, and all of a sudden, I heard you say something about Area 51, and you know, I heard you talk about UFOs and aliens, all this. And I thought in the past, uh, there was a story I wanted to tell you that happened to me as a child. I grew up in Switzerland on a farm. Hmm. And it was, in I think, sometime in the 70s. Um, my father, we sometimes we talked about aliens and my father always said, oh, this is hocus-pocus, you know, that doesn't exist. So one night, I never forget this, one night we were all sitting in the living room watching TV. My father was outside. Uh, doing something all of a sudden he is running into the house and he's saying oh my god he thinks he sees uh, he's seeing a ufo and we all looked at him because he was the man who used to say that he doesn't believe in ufos so we all ran outside and i never forgot that sight we looked up the sky and it wasn't even that high up the house; it was very close to the roof of the house it was like a ring of light uh, turning itself i don't know how to describe it but it, uh, it was like a light bulb but it was it, it it turned around in in a ring and then you know we went into the house and the next day we were checking and that was before you know um internet and all this we were checking maybe they wrote something in the village in the newspaper Nothing was rewritten about it. We really didn't talk about it that much anymore. But I never forgot this, and I still don't know honestly what this was. Right. And well, it was
0: back well, in the that, That's what I was just going to ask, Heidi. I mean, look, there's a lot of unexplained aerial phenomenon over the years that um, people have noticed. How uh, do you think that this might have been extraterrestrial? Yes,
3: absolutely. Thinking back, I never forgot that. I never, I never, and even my father, he did not believe in UFO. He he ran in. I never forgot the look on his face. He ran in the house. He said he's seeing a UFO. And like my mother was looking at him, he was, she was thinking he's losing his mind because he didn't believe in it. So we ran out and I remember, I don't remember much more about it. I know that nothing was written about it. Like, you know, in the news or in, in in the newspaper at that time, it was just television, you know, in the 70s. Sure. And I don't know how old I was, maybe five, six years old. I don't know exactly, but I do remember that ring. I still see it. I don't know what it was. I think it probably, it was something out of this world. I, I don't know. Very you know, interesting was, idea. Uh, never,
0: yeah. yeah. Thank you. You know, I think the wrong question is, do you believe in UFOs? Because that's ridiculous. I mean... The question is, obviously, there are UFOs, unidentified flying pro- uh, objects, or what they now call unexplained aerial phenomenon. The question is, what are they? Is it something our government is doing? Is it something uh, another government is doing? Is it something a high-end military contractor is doing? Is it something that's otherworldly? Is it something from another dimension? I mean, that's the question. It's not, do they exist? Of course they do. There's all these phenomena that people can't explain. The question is, what are they? And I asked Dr. Paul Sutter that when I interviewed him, and he didn't have an answer. He said, I don't know. He was very honest. So um, but the after reading this um this uh art, this opinion piece by Chadwick Moore, my interest is not necessarily in hearing from people like Heidi, although I'm glad she called and shared that story. My interest is in people that don't believe this that believe that we've never been visited by any other intelligent life and if so why why someone just sent me an sms text message and you can as well at uh, 8168morano that's 8168morano and uh, they this person wrote to me he or she wrote i think that they never visited for the same reason we never visited where they live and i said so you're saying so we're not they're not advanced enough and he said or she said i guess So that's interesting to think that we're among the most technologically advanced civilizations anywhere in the universe. To me, it's a little hard to believe it is, but I guess it's as valid as any other theory. Otherwise, how do you explain Fermi's paradox? 800-848-9222. Cindy is in Baltimore. Hello, Cindy. Hi,
4: Frank. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Um, my, I have an opinion, and it's also a belief. Um, I believe that people have experienced a form of alien possession, but I don't believe that it's aliens from another planet. I believe that it's the fallen angels, the demons. And the reason why this myth is going on and on and on is that after the rapture of the church, the remaining people will be told that aliens have taken the Christians out of the world so they can live free of guilt.
0: Interesting. Okay. So you don't believe that it's necessarily someone from another planet. You believe it's some sort of demon. I
4: believe it's demon possession because if it wasn't demon possession, I believe that there would be solid proof by now. The demons are smart enough, which is Lucifer, the fallen angel, Mm -hmm. that... They have not wanted to be proven yet, not until the rapture of the Church. After the rapture of the Church, it will be proven by Lucifer and the demons that there is alien abductions and that we were abducted.
0: Thank you, Cindy. Appreciate that. And uh, if we can, just... When you call in, please remember to turn your radio off once you go on hold. Because as much as I love hearing the sound of my own voice, it's a little it's a little jarring to hear myself back in a twenty second delay. All right, we'll continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. Hey, speaking of Terrifier three, you know what I saw this weekend? I saw Taken three. I came home uh, around. I went to sleep around midnight. On Friday night going into Saturday, and then 6 a.m. comes around, and I'm wide awake, wide awake, and I end up watching uh, Terrifier, not Terrifier, Taken 3 with Liam Neeson. It was, I think it was a little bit better than Taken 2 because there was a little bit of an element of mystery into it. There's some good action sequences. And look, Liam Neeson is such a great actor. You could watch him read the phone book, and it's, it's interesting. They also gave the, uh, the daughter a, a little bit more to do in this film, a little bit more integral to the pop plot. There were also some subplots that I thought that were pretty good. But uh, after I was disappointed in Taken 2, a couple of listeners wrote to me and said, don't bother with Taken 3, don't bother. And I'm glad I did because, I again, it's pretty weak, but it was much better than, um, than the previous installment. That's my, te- my two cents, although, you know, it's not winning any Oscars anytime soon, that's for sure. All right. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Marano. Dancing on my own. This is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from my favorite second cousin, Andrea. And um, if, uh, you know, anybody runs into Andrea today, please wish her a happy birthday. And if she's listening, Andrea, may all your wishes come true today and always. Now, I was, um, I got on the, you know, I've been trying to bike every day for 14 miles, uh, indoor, stationary bike. And so yesterday, um, I was hoping that before we left, I could watch the first episode of the new and final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know how they do that sometimes? That if you have the app, in this case, HBO Max, or just called Max now, you can watch the episode on demand even before it actually airs on HBO. It's kind of like a loophole. Well, sure enough, the HBO people were hip to this, and they were not allowed to... not allowed to then we're not going to allow that to happen. So they had um, the previous seasons on, but they didn't have e- the new episode on. So I didn't see it yet. So I'm asking if you did watch it, please do not tell me what happened because I am really looking forward to not only this first episode, but the whole final season. And Hopefully my wife and I will have a chance to watch it uh, tonight. But I ended up watching the uh, a little bit of 60 Minutes and a little bit of the Grammys. I'm not that into the whole Grammys culture generally, but I do love award shows. I really do, and it was an interesting. um, It was the bit I saw of it was not bad. It would look really well produced. You know, I've never really cared for that comedian Trevor Noah. Nothing against him; it's just his humor's not my taste. I thought he did a pretty decent job, and I was thinking if I was hosting that award show. I would never change my outfit at, before every segment. The guy must have changed outfits six times. I'm wearing a suit or a tuxedo, whatever, and that's my outfit for the night. I'm not going back and forth. No one cares what you're wearing, Trevor Noah, uh, and I'm sure they were told him to do that—the producers or somebody. But maybe that's why I never get asked to host these Grammys. So anyway, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. Uh, most of what I saw was pretty non-controversial. It was, uh, I thought Miley Cyrus had a very interesting performance of Flowers, which which I did not realize was only the second time she's ever performed that song live. I was really watching to see if Shatner won for the uh, spoken word version of his book. He did not, which was a disappointment. They had Stevie Wonder come out and do a nice tribute to, uh, to Tony Bennett, which I thought was very, very sweet and very touching. They did a nice In Memoriam segment, which I saw... And they had Annie Lennox uh, come out. I don't know what she was doing there exactly. But anyway, she ends her song with basically a a statement about world affairs and the Middle East. Artists
4: for ceasefire.
0: Peace in the world. I, I mean, so what she's saying there is artists for ceasefire. But she can't just say artists for ceasefire. She has to say it. Artists for ceasefire. For peace in the world, like Jakar on Babylon five. I mean ceasefire. Peace in the world. I mean, who talks like that? If she's at a restaurant somewhere and they, she's going to get breakfast, and they ask her what she want to drink? Does she say orange juice? Freshly squeezed. It's ridiculous. I mean, not uh, whatever. But um, that was the only thing that I saw, and again, I watched very little of it, but that was the only aspect of I, of it that I saw that was political or in— I don't know if you even call that political, but that was the only pseudo-controversial aspect of what i would seen based on world events. So then they give uh, Jay-Z a Lifetime Achievement Award— I I don't know what they called it. They named it for Dr. Dre. It's the Dr. Dre Artist Impact Award. You know, they have so many different categories for the Grammys that I I think it's just an excuse to get as many celebrities there as possible by giving them an award. And I've done that for parties. You know, you find a category that we can give them an award, fine. And uh, I think Trevor Noah did have a fun joke in that he said um, he's not an actual doctor So he cannot prescribe you Ozempic, because I thought that was funny, because more and more people that I know, since I've been talking about this on the radio, everyone I know is on Ozempic. And a lot of them are not open about it, so I'm certainly not going to blow up their spot, but more and more people are taking it. And then Trevor Noah made clear his degree was honorary. But anyway, Jay-Z goes up there, and his speech was really interesting, because clearly he had something prepared, because unlike... Uh, Michelle Obama or these other people who didn't know they were going to win. He he knew he was going to win. And he basically trashes everybody that's won Grammys in the past and says, look, some of you um, were robbed in the past. Some of you are going to be robbed, meaning not getting the award that you deserved. Some of you shouldn't have even been nominated, which was pretty harsh. And then he goes back to when uh, Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff were nominated and they didn't put it on television, so they boycotted, but they went to a hotel and watched it. It was kind of a funny story. And then he mentioned how DMX wasn't nominated when he had the best-selling album, so Jay-Z boycotted. And then he did the same thing, he watched it on television. And then he says something about his, I don't know if it's his wife or his girlfriend, Beyonce Knowles. And he mentions how she's never won Album of the Year. Now, this was, to me, a very bitter thing to do while you're supposed to be getting an award. And he's got his daughter up there, who's a young woman, I guess. She looks like she's about 13, 14. And to me, I thought this was such an ingracious thing about uh, getting an award and showing total disrespect to the folks that give you the award.
4: I'm just saying, you just... We want y'all to get it right. We love y'all, we love y'all, we love y'all. We want y'all to get it right, at least get it close to right. And obviously it's subjective. Y'all don't got to clap at everything. Obviously it's, sub- obviously it's subjective because, you know, it's music and it's opinion-based, but you know, some things, you know, I don't want to embarrass this young lady, but she has more John, Grammys than everyone and never won album in a year. So even by your own metrics, that doesn't work. Think about that. The most Grammys never won album of the year. That doesn't work.
0: Now, I mean, you talk about being a sore winner, right? He's not only getting honored by the Grammys, and she's been nominated by, as he said, and I'll I assume he's correct, more than anybody. And yet, he took that as, oh, by your own metrics, that doesn't work. Oh, you know, if I'm. The whoever makes the decisions about the Grammys, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, okay, well, clearly we don't know what we're talking about. We shouldn't have given her all those Grammys. I mean, come on. And uh, Beyonce Knowles looked pretty embarrassed by that as well. I would be. I mean, he's basically taking being honored and using it as an opportunity to shame the people that were honoring him. And I thought that was interesting. We've been talking about all the, um, the, uh, conspiracy theories involving Taylor Swift. So she got up there, she won for I think best album and or best vocal pop album and everyone's waiting to see what her announcement would be. Is she going to endorse Joe Biden or endorse Pfizer or endorse the Kansas City Chiefs? No, this was her big announcement.
4: I want to say thank you to the fans by telling you a secret that I've been keeping from you and for the last 2 years. It's which is that my brand new album comes out April 19th. It's called... <laughs> it's called the Tortured Poets Department. I'm gonna go and post the cover right now backstage. Thank you, I love you, thank you.
0: Now I thought that was a little anticlimactic, but clearly the fans didn't. They couldn't get enough of that, all right. Uh, after the top of the hour, we will do commendations. We'll talk judges behaving badly and more. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.